guys for coming uh, and being with us this morning. If you're, if you're watching us live, if you're here, unless we got folks from literally coast to coast, got a good representation from our Midwest folks. And uh, as always, got Raven Deb from uh, Raven West Coast out there in California, getting up bright and early to break open the Word of God. Good to be here, Pastor. And you know, like we've said several times, just really excited about the Book of Romans, and and not just the Book of Romans, but but really just the. Uh, the opportunity to, to get in and teach the Word of God and to just uh, to invest in others as is investing back into us and just uh, it's awesome I've got some reports just recently of people that have, have come on and just uh, they, they come on several of them say they don't they don't actually log on maybe they're at work or they're somewhere else and so they're just watching it uh, while they're at work on their monitor and uh, they'll have the, the volume turned where they can actually hear it. And uh, they just said they've really been getting blessed and challenged that. So yeah. we just want to welcome all you folks that are that are tuning into us on a, on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies teaching on the Book of Romans, and uh, also for uh, Brother Steve uh, Ignowski. Just thank him so much for uh, his technical assistance on this. Uh, Brother Steve heads up uh, Lifeline Ministry. You know, you know, Brother Steve sure out do. there. He's been on the streets with us in several places, but uh, he's been recording these things in MP3 format for us. Uh, I think we got 10 hours already, so 10 lessons, 10 hours, this will be our 11th hour. And we're making those things available through our website as well. You can download those. Or if you want a copy of it, I've said it several times, email me at raven at biggrace.com. be glad to burn you a copy of myself and send it out to you free of charge. Absolutely. Pastor, why don't you just pray and just open us up in prayer this morning. We'll see what the Lord Jesus has for us today. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just come before you, God. And God, this morning... God, we just thank you that we have the opportunity, Lord God, to rise and to worship you, Lord God. God, even though there's many places, Lord God, where people can't even mention your name, God, but we are so thankful, Lord God, that we are here, Lord God, in this moment, in this time, Lord God, able to bless your holy name. Now, God, I pray for all those who have been discouraged, God, for all those who have had lack of hope, Lord God, for all those who have been battling the cares of this world, Lord God, for all those who have been just battling life in itself, Lord God. I pray that the Word of God would be a lamp unto their feet this morning. God, that they would find a joy that was unspeakable, Lord God. Not happiness, God, but a joy, Lord God. A joy, Lord God, that will never end. God, you said, Jesus, that you would give peace, but not as the world gives, but only as you give. We pray for the peace of God. I pray for the opening of our minds, God, that the mysteries of the gospel will be revealed to us. And God, I thank you, God, that you've given us an opportunity to preach this gospel. We don't take it lightly, Lord God, that you have chosen us for this last day, for this last minute, these last hours, Lord God, to take the life-changing word of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world, Lord God, and to the nations. Lord, we thank you for it. Now, God, open the eyes, open our minds. Open our hearts, Lord God, that we may receive, Lord God. And God, ignite a fire, Lord God, in us to change the world. God, help us to be that witness, Lord God, that we've called to be, Lord God. Help everyone achieve the destiny, Lord God. The the such a time as this moment, Lord God, in their life, Lord God. Uh, It starts right here, Lord God, in studying the Word, God. Allow this moment, Lord God, to to be in us. and We don't want it to slip by, God. And so, Lord, we honor you. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 As you said, I was thinking about Scripture this morning, uh, about His Word is a, is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Absolutely. And we, we realize that, you know, in preaching the gospel, and, and you folks that are with us today probably have share similar experiences, you know, we do things, quote-unquote, in the streets and various places where uh, darkness is prevalent. You know, with our years that we spend in... Uh, uh, Living in New Orleans and all yeah. of that, but years going there even prior to our, our actually living in the city of New Orleans and being places such as the, the French Quarter, Bourbon Street, like that. You, you see such a prevailing darkness. Yeah. And, but, brother, I found that in the midst of that darkness, there's always something that can bring and illuminate uh, the light of God's Word. And that is the Word of God. Absolutely. And when we begin to take that Word into the midst of darkness, whether it's in, whether it's in a... Uh, you know, in a darkened prison cell or on a street corner in New Orleans or in the, the, the red light district of Amsterdam or in one of your cities that, that you guys are in or in your neighborhood or in, in a family that's just been sh- uh, shrouded in darkness. The Word of God is still the lamp into our feet Absolutely. and the light into our path. It, it, it wakes you up. And, it, but if you notice something about the Word, and, and really I, I think this is probably um, some of you folks that are listening to this, uh, especially those that may be listening to it at a later time, 
You know, when you walk out of darkness into a bright light, what's the first reaction? Uh, as far as physically? physically? Well, I mean, for me, if I'm in a bright, bright light or darkness in a bright See, light. See, you're standing in the darkness and suddenly you walk into Boy, a that bright light. that bright light hurts my eyes. It hurts your eyes. Yeah, so what do you find yourself doing? Squinting. Squinting or, or cowering back yeah. from it. Yeah. And guys, I know sometimes that when we begin to study the Word of God, I know for me, I'm challenged every time I open up that Word. And, and you know, if there's, if there's darkness in your life, and you think about, we talked about this just briefly yesterday out of John chapter 3. It says that this is the condemnation, that men love darkness love rather, darkness love, rather, rather than, than light, light yeah. because their deeds were evil. Right. And we also know through the Word of God that whatsoever things are made manifest or, or revealed are made manifest through the light, and those things are light. And so the light comes to make manifest those things that are hidden in darkness. Right. And not always do you want to see those things. It's kind of like, you know, Melanie, you know, she'll go in there and she'll, she'll put makeup on her face and whatnot. But she don't do it in the dark. Right. Because she wants to see how, how she looks without that work of preparation that she goes through. And many women do and to, to hide a flaw or whatever else. But see, when we get into the light, the light exposes everything for what it is. Right. And so as we get into the Word, I know that, it, it, that I'm challenged. And I hope that you're challenged these things. But, but sometimes you draw back. But what ends up happening is your eyes... Have to adjust, yeah. And so, where uh, where your, your 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 pupils were a certain dilation, they have to change in accordance with the light. And I think spiritually, that's what happens to us. That we we have a tendency when the light comes, boom, we kind of we kind of cower back and we're kind of taken back, and we want to squint and not see it all, and we only want to take in part of it. But man, I want to go into this thing. I want to yeah. go into the, into the gospel with my eyes wide open, with just the glorious illumination of God's will and His revelation and His presence and His power. And yeah, sometimes it, it kind of hurts your eyes. But man, I want my eyes to get adjusted. Not to darkness, right? But I want my guys to get adjusted to the light. Would you say it's almost a, a, a equivalent to getting a spake in sometimes? Well, they're not, they're not, uh, dearly beloved, they're not. Uh, what is it? Grow weary when you get spaked or chastised by the yeah, Lord. What is it? Well, the, 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 uh, chastens those well, that he loves. loves. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really is. And so sometimes you come into the light, it does that. So what I pray every time I get in the Word, Pastor, is that you know God make me force me to squint. Absolutely. And so in squinting, it makes me take a, a really a self-inventory of what's going on in my life and challenges me to take it to another level. So uh, really, as we do that and as we continue in the study of Romans and, and various other books, as we continue in the, the online version of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, you know, challenge yourself. When you get before God in the Word on your own or, or during this, this venue, man, say, God, challenge me. Show me something that's going to bring more light into my life. That's Absolutely. what I need and I believe every one of us Absolutely. as well. So let's dive into this. Romans chapter 1 is where we're at. If you're just joining us for the first time, we, we, we're really going through an expository teaching on the book of Romans, examining a lot of things. We really took kind of a, a, a very deliberate and some, some might even say tedious approach to, to really those first uh, probably 19 verses. Right. Because I believe we had to set such a firm foundation and a groundwork for what this book is all about. And yesterday right. we really went into it. We examined what I believe is the heart of, of, of Romans and it's verses uh, uh, 1 through 15. And we really kind of, even within that, verses 15 through 19. And it, it's really what you could call what we covered yesterday. It was probably one of the most familiar portions of Romans. Yes. And it's a scripture that most people have heard, most Christians have heard, I'll say. But I seriously doubt that many of probably looked at it in regards to the level of responsibility as we probably looked at it yesterday. Right. And so those five verses described in such a powerful way how the, the heart of every believer should be in regards to the things of God. And you haven't caught that lesson. Get Lesson 10. Uh, Brother Steve's made that available to us. You can go to ravenoutreach.blogspot.com or to one of our other affiliate websites and just pull up Lesson 10 and listen to that in conjunction to what we're going to be talking about today. I want to read that again. It says in verses 15 through 19, he says, So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven and against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, there's that, that word manifest or the light, for God has showed them, showed it unto them. And so I want to just kind of bring everyone kind of up to pace if you missed out and those that are listening to it and maybe you listen to one of these a day. And so kind of bring you up to pace for today's discussion. I just want to give you just kind of a 60-second 
uh, outline of what we talked about yesterday. Let's read what I wrote off. It says, Paul said that there was something inside of him that compelled him to go and speak forth the message of the cross. And even though he knew that the message in which he had been called to give would never be considered politically correct, culturally irrelevant, or seeker sensitive, he knew that the message of the cross was the only message that transcended all those things and cut to the heart of individuals with the ability to convict of sin and draw them to righteousness. This clarion call was first given to the Jewish people who were called out and commissioned to be thoroughly trained to deliver the message to the world as God's chosen vessels. But in rejecting the Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, this covenant and responsibility was made available to the Gentiles or those who were outside of the Jewish people. While we are justified or made to stand in right relationship with God through faith in the work of the cross, the righteousness or the fruit of that relationship is made evident or uncovered as we personally share the gospel message with other people. If we are truly justified through faith in Jesus Christ, then we will live in accordance and as a testimony of that relationship. Again, the message or means that He has chosen to demonstrate our place in Him is through our deliberately, I won't say that, deliberately sharing the gospel with the lost. Mm. Not just simply a lifestyle evangelism or hope that they get it through osmosis, but God has chosen the deliberate preaching of the gospel to save those which were lost in accordance with, uh, with 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and various other places in the Scripture. And the consequences of our not doing this is that the wrath of God is levied against those that know to do right and who do not do it. And holding back that truth and the message of salvation is like hindering another person from coming to Jesus. And as believers, we have had this revealed and made plain to us, and now we must do the same for others, or we shall face dire consequences. Mm. So that's kind of a, a 60 or 90 second nutshell of what we talked about yesterday. So those five verses, verses 15 through 19, and you can write that down in your notes. Those five verses tell us what God, that God has given us uh, these great doctrines of the faith and, and, and what He's given us for. That He's given us those things for right. that purpose. Now, the next 13 verses, and we're not going to cover all 13 of them this morning, but we're going to cover several of them to kind of set it up for tomorrow and the next day. Okay. And it, but the next 13 verses of this chapter, literally, brothers, serve to expose the reason for the urgency of that great responsibility. The urgency of it all. That, that we now have that responsibility to fulfill it. Okay. And so he doesn't say, you know, listen, there's something inside of me. There's something welling up in the innermost part of me that's telling me I've got to go preach this gospel. He's not saying that, you know, that it's... Uh, that. Uh, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God into salvation. He's not saying that if you don't do it, that the wrath of God is, is will be kindled or levied against those without a reason for it. Right. And he's he's given the, the reason, and he's he's saying, listen, it's it's because there's something consequential to that. The consequence is if you don't do it, you're hindering someone else. Right. Now in these next thirteen verses, I think it's going to be made crystal clear okay. as to why. You know, like brother, you 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 tell your kids, I want you to go do something for me, and they say, why? Yeah, and you know sometimes I tell I told Jared and Caleb especially when they were they were younger now they're as big as I am nineteen and sixteen you know I just tell them because I said so right and you know that that's that's enough and I, because I'm their dad I can say so and God can say because I'm God just because I said so but he doesn't do that no he brings a greater revelation he says listen I want you to do these things I want you to preach the gospel in accordance to, to Romans 1 15, 16 and 17 he said I want you to preach the gospel in accordance to, to Romans uh, uh, excuse me Acts 1 and 8 I want you to, to preach the gospel according to, to, to Mark chapter 16 all these places where he's given us this great commission but he's saying listen here's how here's the reason that, that God has given you this tremendous uh, responsibility and you're going to see how he unfolds the details and, and deals with specific obstacles and challenges to the gospel message as, as, as a result of this uh, life consecrated to Christ in these next 13 verses. So I'm going to read verses 20 through 32 in their entirety. Then we're going to back up and look at some of these things specifically. He said, For the invisible things of God, and so let's set this up. He's talking, he said, The wrath is coming right. against those that hinder. Because of this, because the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, and they're being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves wise, they became full. Verse 23. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man into birds, and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. He changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 
For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust towards one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves that recompense of error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind uh, uh, to do those those things which were not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that which they, uh, they, that which they commit these such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them also." Now, now, brother, I want to read this the same thirteen verses using some uh, a translation using some modern terminology because I think some of these things are, are going to hit home and, and drive home the point of why we have to preach the gospel. Now, right, okay. listen to it in this translation: For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities or His eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood from what He has made, so that men are standing without an excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed wisdom, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, made to look like birds, animals, or even reptiles. Therefore, as a result of God gave them over to their own sinful desires of their own hearts, to things such as sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than Creator, uh, than the Creator Jesus who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lusts for one another. Don't these things sound familiar in our day and age? Mm-hmm. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are even gossips. They are slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Mm. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also voice their approval towards those people who do the exact same things. Wow. Now, you know, we, we could say and look at what was happening. And, it, you know, again, we talked about Paul wrote this letter to, to the Roman church as he sat and witnessed the things that were happening in Corinth. Right. As he wrote the first and second letters or the epistles to the church in, in Corinthian. But I think today, you know, we're, we're seeing a magnification even of those things. Absolutely. That in our nation, we, we see uh, them legislating immorality. They talked about we can't legislate morality or we can't, we can't say, we can't legislate righteousness. And they battled the, the, the conservatives for years and years and years in, in the Senate and in the Congress and our legislature. And they said, well, you can't legislate morality. But in the same respect, our nation, the U.S. of A., has tried to legislate immorality. And and so it really brings home that last line where it says, it says, but not only do they have pleasure in them, but they they want to have pleasure in other people to do that. They want to approve it. They want to advocate the people that do the exact same type of thing. So I want us to kind of look at these verses kind of one at a time. So verse 20, I want to kind of talk at. So he was, Paul was saying, and and really keep, keep this in mind as we kind of look at some of these. He was saying it's imperative, folks, that we preach the gospel, that we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's certain things that are going to begin to unfold. Mm-hmm. And I believe that he was specifically speaking to them, but I believe that even more so that there was, it was a foreshadowing or a testimony or a prophetic word to what we're going to be facing here in the end times. Okay. Now, now look at how this unfolds specifically. He said, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse so pastor I think it's interesting to note that the very first issue that he addresses here is the issue of creation mm-hmm. he said listen they're even going to call into question God as creator 
Right. And so we have seen over the course of probably the last hundred years, uh, and, and really a kind of a magnification or a intensification of the past fifty years, this theory in the teaching on evolution. Mm-hmm. And so you know, when my dad was in school, they still read the Bible, they they still prayed, they they saluted the flag, they 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 had all the they had prayer in schools. Right. But when they began to, to issue legislation after my dad graduated from school in the late 50s and in the 60s, something began to turn. And so once, once prayer was taken out of school, once the, the reading of the Word of God was, something slipped in and began to fill that void or attempt mm-hmm. to fill that yeah. void. And, it, and so once we take out the, the teaching of that God created all things, in the beginning God okay. created the heavens and the earth, right. that, that, that Spirit came in and said, okay, since they're not teaching that, we're going to come in and teach something else. And, and brother, I don't believe that that teaching originated with Charles Darwin. No, I, don't I believe it originated with the devil himself. Yeah, absolutely. That it was a, he was trying to undermine. From the very beginning, we see that, that, that he was lifted up in pride, that Lucifer wanted to ascend above the Most High. He wanted to be like God. And as a result of that, you know, he, he, he envied God. and He was jealous and he, and, he, and he rebelled against God because God was the Creator. God even created him. As Absolutely. an angelic being that right. had great responsibility, and so as a result, we, we've seen just this this systematic attempt of the adversary to try to undo the fact that God is the Creator of all things. Absolutely. And so I think it's man, literally in his in his people, att- attempts to escape judgment. What does he try to do? Say well, basically say there's no God. So if there's no God, there's no judgment. There's no consequences. No consequences to what happened. No problems. You know. And so. What literally these things have been popularized through, you know, they talk about it, you know, Darwin's teachings on natural selection or uh, what's the other phrase for it, uh, the, the survival of the fittest. And so they, they teach those things. I remember coming up, they were, teaching, they were teaching those things, but not to the degree that they're trying to teach our children today in, in the school, school-age children. And so we saw those things, which you can even yeah. see when I was a student back in the 70s and, and graduating in the 80s, that the teachers were uncomfortable. Most of the time, even the science teachers, they didn't really want to talk about those things. It was just part of the lesson plan, and I saw many times just kind of brush over those type of things. But now, brother, it's so rooted, right? In teaching, there's there's the the battle rages in in, in houses of Congress and state legislators on whether they can teach those things, and 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 and, and really tr- teaching even creation science that God is the one that created all those things. So you know, it's interesting. I had a I have a little uh, uh, I guess she's Hope's age, a little cousin. I guess she's a second cousin. My cousin. Uh, has a daughter, and she came and spent some time with my my mom in Hereford, and uh, we, my daughter was talking to her, and she said, "Well, I just don't believe that there's a God." And I guess she, and she was out about ten, eleven years old, and did not believe, yeah, believe there was God. And, and so I came in and I asked her why. She said, "Well, I believe in evolution," and she gave me this detailed description on how the, how evolution was formed. I mean, really, really well-versed in and it. 10 or 11 years old. 10 or 11 years old. And so when you get people on the street who, who've who been taught that all their life, man, you're having to battle a lot of things. And it just shocked me. And I said, well, I can't remember what she said she believed in. Oh, she believed in, because of it, she believed in reincarnation. So she didn't believe there was a God, but she believed that through evolution somehow you die and uh, then you spirit goes and involves into another being like uh, like Cyril. And this is a ten or eleven years ten, old. Ten, eleven year old girl. Well, folks, you know you know what what kind of causes me to shudder inside when I hear that is that he said this ten or eleven year old could give a detailed explanation or defense for evolution. Now let me ask you, how many of you guys got ten or eleven year olds? Or sixteen or eighteen or twenty year olds that you've raised up that can give a detailed uh, basis for their faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. And so, what does it tell you, brother? It says that we have failed many times Absolutely. To, to, to 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 teach our children. You know, the Word tells us to train up our children in the way they should go. That when they're old, they'll not depart from it. To to invest that, to train them up, and raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And and I really challenge you as parents and myself as well. Yeah. To, to really invest the Word of God, to, to be able that when your children go into the, the schoolhouse, that, that they're not just saying, well, I just believe this because I believe, but they, they have a, a working knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That they know what redemption is. They know what justification through faith. That, they, that if necessary, they can stand up in the midst of that classroom and be declared the righteousness of Christ Jesus right. before all the naysayers. And so, brother, when I hear you say that she was able to give that, 
you know, it tells me that the church needs to wake up yeah. and we need to stop throwing pizza parties. We need oh. to stop uh, blowing up bounce houses and we need to begin to invest the Word of God because they're, the, the battle is not for them later on. The battle is right, right now. now. If they can go and they can rob the minds of 10 and 11 year olds, by the time they're 25 year olds or 45 year olds and they're, they're, they're the leaders of this nation, they've become so indoctrinated right. with the lies of the devil that we may never get them back. Right. That we've got to go after them now. And it's no different than when Herod said, you know what, I want to kill all the children. That he went into to Bethlehem and he went out to the land of Judea yeah. to, to, to keep the Savior from being known, to keep the Messiah. And so what are they doing now? It's a, I believe it's a deliberate attack by the adversary. Absolutely. Still them, still their minds. Still now. their minds and their hearts. Really. Even now. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting also as we talk about this is, is that long before you know Darwin or this young lady began to adhere to the philosophies of, of evolution, that God in His Word was already warning us that it was going to happen. Absolutely. Now, this was before, obviously, Darwin's theories on evolution came about. Right. But Paul the Apostle, given the, the, this epistle, this, as we, we've called it the Magna Carta of the, the, of the New Covenant, he's saying, listen, guys, I'm going to give you the heads up on this. These things are going to happen. And he, and he puts it at the forefront. Because he knew right off the bat that they're going to begin to, 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 to attack the very basis of everything. So right. if we can nullify the, 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 the existence of God, right. then we, we nullify our responsibility towards the things of God. And there's no moral absolute. There's no eternity. So it just becomes a live and let live type of situation. Right. So we're not going to get too far into or too deep into creationism at this time because, uh, or, or the, the debate between evolution because it really could be a whole teaching on itself and, and we, may end, that, that we may end up doing that we may end up doing that at a future date right. dealing with some of those subjects but, but, but he I want to really look at what he specifically addresses what he says that now you are without excuse right so look at verse 20 again he says for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, excuse. or God should clearly be seen, even though not with eyes, through the evidence of what he's created, because every creation requires a creator. And so that's really what he could, you could break it down to say, that, right. that God can clearly be seen. The fact that there is a God, the fact that there is a, a creator, can be seen, and we can realize that he's real, not based upon what we see, but based upon what he said. You may remember we were on the streets in the Lower East Side of New York this past week, and there was a, a guy that came up and uh, claimed to be a professor of theology. <laughs> you remember him? Yeah. He, he throws he threw that title out like he was something, I guess, to intimidate. But he he knew nothing about the Bible whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so somebody that, that that boasted about being a a professor of theology, theology or yeah. the study of God certainly didn't know anything about what the Word of God said. And so he just pulled this and that. And, and I had an interesting discussion with him because he was throwing something at me and, and he asked a question. So I was going to answer him. And so I did answer him. And he did, because I provided the answer, he took off down the street. Yeah, he got pretty, pretty hot about it. He got upset. And I said, well, he said, well, listen, you can't answer that. I said, brother, that's, that's very simple. And so I, I gave him his answer, and he took off down the road. But he wanted to debate whether or not. And he said, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in God because I can't see God. Right. And, but what, what Paul was saying, listen, the creation expressly uh, proves that there's a creator. Right. He's saying, listen, the, 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 the things that are visible, the things that you can see, reveal that there was a creator. So he right. goes on to say that they're without excuse. And uh, that, that, that anything that, that has a, a creation... You know, if you have a, a house, there was a builder. There was an architect. Right. There was something that went in. And even people that, that would propagate evolution, they, they, have to, they have to base it on some type of building block. You know, we was in uh, New Orleans one time during Mardi Gras, and some young men came up, college students, and we were just sharing the gospel with them. And they said, well, we believe in the Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you remember yeah, this. Oh, I remember this. And so they were there, and they were debating several of our guys. And I kind of came into this conversation, and I walked up to them, and I said, guys, I'm, I'm with these guys. I'm part of their team, but I, I agree with you 100%. I believe in the Big Bang Theory as well. And they kind of began to lean into it because they thought I was going to support their ideas. I said, they said, do you really? I said, absolutely. I said, the Word of God says, he said, let there be light. And bang, there was light. Yeah. And so I believe that the Word of God spoke and he created things and brought things into existence. But uh, he says that because of those things that we're without excuse. Without and, excuse. And so here's what I, I want to parlay that into this, brother, because I'm thinking we need to make an excuse. He said there's, there's, there's something without excuse 
because of the manifestation of, and he uses the term the Godhead. The Godhead. We call it the Trinity. Right. Uh, Hebrew calls it Elohim. And so, but I want to make this point. Matthew twenty four fourteen, and write this down in your notes. Matthew twenty four fourteen. And and what I'm touching on is just this this key thing that Paul says in Romans one twenty. He says all these things are made manifest, or they're clearly seen, so that we are without excuse. Matthew twenty four. And 14. Matthew 24, 14 says this, Pastor. It says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall, shall come. I, I want to bring that out because so many people think that God has a responsibility for everyone to hear. God doesn't make that promise. When we read Matthew 24, 14, we've got to look at certain things. You know, I hear Christian television people say, we need more money for satellites so because Jesus can't come back until the whole world hears. And they'll take something like that, that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world. First, I want to say this. Number one, that was written to a Jewish audience. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it, we, we talked about some of this in other discussions, not necessarily in this program. But it was written to a Jewish audience speaking about the time that they were going to have. And we did touch on this when it says to the Jew first and to the Greek right. that he had given a covenant that he's going to return that, that last week to them. And this is what it's talking about. It's talking about the 70th week of Daniel. It's talking about Jacob's trouble. We, we spoke of that when we, when we discussed specifically Romans 1, 16. And, uh, but God doesn't owe anyone a chance. And, and no man can come to salvation apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Right. I want to say I want to say this. He says that that where's where he? He said even his eternal power and Godhead in verse twenty. Now that word Godhead is is theotes rather than theotes, and that that's that's going to be real critical okay. when he says Godhead. It's theotes rather than or excuse me theotes rather than theotes. Uh, and in in second and uh, excuse me Colossians two nine it okay. says about this Godhead in. Pay close attention. He says that, that all these things invisible are made visible or made manifest because of the creation. They need to be understood by those things. Even his eternal power in Godhead or he's revealing his Godhead. And so God is revealing himself. He's revealing that there is a God, that there is a creator through his creation, but through his Godhead. But that word that's used here in, in uh, Romans one twenty is... The theotes rather than the theotes. And here's what's uh, critical about that. When the theotes, or what's used in Romans one twenty speaks, it's in a general sense. Mm-hmm. It's saying that there is a creator. And so it describes God as a creator. Now in, in Colossians two nine, Colossians two nine, it speaks of Jesus as the Savior, and it uses theotes, and it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right. Now, you may say, Well, what's so important about that? Two things are really important. The first thing is, is that when he speaks in Romans one twenty concerning creation, revealing his glory, that that the, 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 the manifestation. I've heard people say that, you know, what about some aborigine on right. some foreign land or somebody? Then somebody will say that give the argument, well, you know, the creation declares his glory, or they can see through creation that there's a God and they can come to faith through that. That's not what that's saying whatsoever. Mm-hmm. What they can come to is the conclusion, and this is all they can come to, is the conclusion that there is a God. Right. Period. That there is a Creator. Now, what happens at that point is the Spirit of God begins to draw them to Him. Now, the difference between Romans one twenty theotes versus Colossians two nine theotes is in Colossians two nine it provides Him as the Savior. Brother, there is no salvation apart from faith in the name of, of Jesus. Jesus. Right. Period. God owes no one salvation. Once man fell, everything fell. And if, if God had only chosen to save one person throughout the ages, because of His holiness, because of His righteousness, that would have been enough. The, the, everyone. The Bible says that the, the, the angels rejoice over just one sinner repenting. Because they see the, the gravity and just how powerful that is and how righteous God is mm-hmm. in just saving one person that fell into rebellion. Right. And so when he says that, the, that, the, that these things are established or they're seen that, that no man is with excuse because of the theotes, it's not saying that you can notice that there's a tree and you've got to say, well, somebody had to have invented that tree, so I'm going to put faith in whoever that nameless person is. There's no other name right. but the name of Jesus wherein a man can be saved. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow whether they're in heaven, earth, or under the earth, 
and declare that Jesus Christ is His Lord. Lord. Right. Very, very important that no way apart from faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ. If I believe in my heart, if I confess the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart that God has raised Him from the, the dead, dead. Right. I'll be saved. Not if I recognize a creation. Right. So, so, so very important to know that. And so what does that do? That does the, here's the second thing. It, it, it shows the responsibility of and us. the necessity for us to go and Absolutely. say, listen, you recognize that there's a uh, creation. And you know that there's got to be a creator. Now, I'm going to explain to you why right. that is. Right. Why there's a creator. I was talking to a, a, a guy that was a, uh, what do they call it? A Sikh. He, he was part of the Hindu religion out of Pakistan when I was in when we were in New York City just recently. And he, he, he told me that this was his first trip into uh, the United States. But he'd been to many other different countries. He'd been to Great Britain. He'd been to Can- uh, uh, excuse me, not Canada, but he'd been to China and various other places. But the point that, that, that he was making is that, you know, I've been everywhere and he's just excited to be in the States. He'd been here like three months. And so I posed the question to him. I said, do you have any idea why this... No, I, here's what I asked him first. I said, in comparison to the other places you've been, right. I said, how, how does the, the United States stack up? He said, there's no comparison. He said, there's no other nation like this nation. Mm-hmm. He said, this is the very best place that anyone could ever live. And I asked him the question. I said, do you know why that is? And he said, yeah, because of all the stuff and all the opportunities. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, that's just the fruit of it. I said, do you know how this nation got established? And then I just went into our, our independence that we broke from Great Britain. And, mm-hmm. and it was because we wanted to have a, a nation that we could freely serve the Lord Jesus Christ without uh, a state-mandated governmental system of religion. And I said, what you're witnessing is the manifestation of a nation that was founded upon godly principles. I said, that's why it's the greatest nation. And I said, take, for instance, your nation, the, 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 the nation of India is where he was from, actually, not Pakistan. And I said, you folks were under uh, British rule for years and years and years. I said, but look, what did it change? I said, nothing. Now you're on your own. Because they did not have... We broke from that same type of uh, tyranny that that we had 250 years ago to have a godly nation. And so those same principles are there. And so uh, we've got to continue to to preach that gospel to begin to lift up the, the name of Jesus. Now, now let's jump down. It says in verse 21... So the first thing that he addresses is the responsibility to preach the gospel. And he says, because they're going to come and they're going to begin to attack right. even God as creator. Okay, So they start with God as creator. Then we'll see as they, they work in, uh, and, and try to discredit Jesus as Lord as well. And he says, because that, when you knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and in their foolish heart was darkened. I want to read that again. It says, but because of that, when they did know God, right? not when they denied Him, but when they did know Him, that they did not even glorify Him as God, nor were they even thankful for the fact that He was God or the Creator, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was hardened. So the first obstacle that, that Paul's telling us in Romans uh, chapter 1 that they're going to have to be confronting and why he established this as such a powerful doctrinal book. Right. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you the, the doctrines to combat these things, to preach the gospel right. of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the thing that's going to cut through the heart of individuals. So the first obstacle was evolution and the, the second one is, is really kind of closely tied to it, brother, but it's, it's, it's a little bit different in, in that one can claim to believe in God yet be more agnostic or secular in their thinking. Mm -hmm. And so they rely on their intellectualism to bring proper understanding. Then it says what's going to happen in verse 22. It says, They'll profess themselves to be wise, yet they became fools. So here's the second obstacle, and we see it all the time, is the obstacle... Of intellectualism, especially here in America, especially, especially here in the United States, yeah. And you know, but I got to say this: I think it's becoming more and more widespread, even in Europe, because there's there's that big void of uh, of Christianity, and so the only thing that they have is intellectualism, mm. and so they they're, they're they're very it's very widespread in places like Canada and places like Europe, where where at one time the, the gospel was being preached. But boom, now it, it, the, car, the rug's been pulled out from under it. And so you'll stand there and you'll debate people. On, on, they'll want to debate you on intellectual type of issues. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but what happens is, is we kind of feel like we're obligated to defend who God is. Brother, I want to say this, and you guys take note of this. God does not need you to defend Him. Right. I want to say it again. God does not need you to defend Him. 
He is the self-existent one. We were on Bourbon Street one night witnessing. There was a young man I, I stopped and approached with the gospel and began to share. And he just began to say, well, you know what, I'll believe in God's existence if you can prove it right now. And so, brother, what I told him, I said, listen, I said, uh, you ever been pulled over by the police in your car? And he said, yeah. And I said, do they ask you for anything? And he said, yeah. And I said, they probably ask you, depending on where you live at. I said, they probably ask you for your driver's license. Proof of insurance, and in some cases, your vehicle registration. I said, they want to know who you are. They want to know that you're covered. And they want to know that what you, you, your driving belongs to you, mm-hmm. that you're a legal driver of that. And I said, the thing about it is, brother, I said, every single place you go and everything you do, you've got to prove who you are. I said, you can't just walk up to me and say, I'm John Smith. Or you can't just tell that officer, listen, officer, I know I may have broke the law, but just take, take my word for it, I'm John Smith. It demands proof. Right. And I said, the reason it demands proof from you is because you are creative, that you are temporary. I said, the fact is, God does not have to carry identification. God does not have anybody wanting to, to ID Him and say, listen, if, 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 if you hold the universe in the span of your hand, I want to see the registration for those, 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 that planetary uh, documentation that you hold. He doesn't have to do those things. He's the creator of those things. He's the one that, that established that. Now, brother, I could walk into the Trump Tower in, in, in Midtown Manhattan and, and try to go past the, the, the guard station and they would ask me for identification. They would ask me for a name badge to say that I have a right to get there. But I guarantee you, if Donald Trump walks into that place, no one's asking him for an identification. Yeah. Why? Because that's it. he owns it. He's the one that owns the tower. Mm-hmm. And he, they would think it ridiculous to ask him for identification. And he would be put apart by them asking him for identification. Why? Because the tower's got his name on it. Mm-hmm. He is very, he's identifiable for that. And so it's the exact same thing with these intellectual people that want to talk about the existence of God. They want to talk about, well, you've got to be able to prove this. It's the fact that God's name is on everything. God created those things. And for us to have the audacity to think that God has got to prove Himself, now who do we think we are? Mm-hmm. Are we saying that we're higher than the Creator? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. He's going to trump that every single time to use that, that terminology there you go. And, and declare that, listen, I'm the Lord God and above me there is none other. You're going to recognize me. And going back to verse 20, you're, you're without excuse. Second Timothy uh, 2.23 says this in regards to just those type of quarrels or arguments. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they just produce more quarrels. Yeah. They're not going to lead to, to something better. They're going to lead to something worse. What mm-hmm. they're going to do is they're going to lead you in to a debate that you can't get out of. Right. Now, brother, let me ask you this. You don't, you don't need to, to talk evolution to an evolutionist in order to prove creation. No. That would be like me saying, listen, I want to prove to you that whirlpool is the best refrigerator. And so in order to do that, I want to talk to you about this Honda vehicle parked out in the driveway. Right. I'm talking about two different things. Mm-hmm. If I want to talk to you about that Honda vehicle, what am I going to do? I'm going to share with you the benefits of that Honda vehicle. Right. I'm not going to talk to you about the Whirlpool refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to you about what I want to sell you on. I want to convince you of that, that thing. Now think about this. 1 Corinthians 1, 23-29. 1 Corinthians 1, 23-29. Here's what he says concerning those things. About not getting into vain debate or saying, listen, you're going to be confronted with creation, uh, with, with evolution. evolution. You're going to be confronted with intellectualism, people that are just think they're too smart. He said, but, Paul the Apostle, 1 Corinthians 23, verse 1, chapter 1, excuse me, verses 23 to 29. He said, but we preach Christ crucified, and to the Jews that hear it, it's a it's stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, it's, it's foolishness. But what's he still going to preach? He's still going to preach. Preach what? Christ crucified, the cross, the gospel. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and it becomes the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He said, For you see your calling, brethren, have that many, not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty, uh, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. What did he say was the foolishness? Preaching the cross. cross. What's he chosen? The foolishness. He's of the chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Mm-hmm. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things are the low things of the world. And those things which are despised, God has chosen. We mentioned that, that when Paul went into Rome, that they despised people that were crucified. And so what did he choose? 
He chose to use that which was, was despised, the preaching right. of the cross. To, to, he's chosen those things which are despised. Has God chosen yea, yes, and the things which are not to bring to naught or to nothing those things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Right. <coughs> the key to that, brother, I believe is, it's too easy to get into a debate and, and, and win, the, win the debate but lose the soul. Yeah, and I've done that a lot of times before I got really... Until we went through so much of it that I said, wait a minute, that's crazy. Let, let me ask you this, because you've witnessed to hundreds if not thousands of people over the years. Mm-hmm. Have you ever got in one of those intellectual arguments with someone and at the end of that argument they just fall on their knees weeping and repentant? Never. I haven't either. And Never I've been in, I, I used to engage in many of those types of debates. I think the closest I think the closest I ever got was the satisfa- satisfaction of them going, Hmm, you could be right. That was it. Yeah. I mean, so what if they think I'm right? I mean, what what did they do? They walked off going, Hmm. You think about it, you know, I mean Yeah. Well, the, the best I ever had, brother, was, huh, you've given me something to, to think, think about. about. Yeah. I had a guy one time during Daytona Bike Week, two men that were kind of mocking us preaching the gospel. And so I just went over to him, and I just began to share the Word of God with him. And uh, the, the man said, listen, okay. He said, I give up. You, you won. And I said, man, I'm not here to win the argument. I'm here to win your soul for the kingdom. Absolutely. And he said, well, you've given me some things to think about. Well, what, what we need them to think about is their soul and eternity. Mm-hmm. We don't need them to think about our intellectual prowess or our ability to, to, to do these cerebral gymnastics and to kind of back them into some, right. some, some you know, corner on, on our, our high thought or reason. Basically, what we need to bring is the gospel that convicts because, once again, that, that, that wrath, that, mm-hmm. that, that, just like I talked about yesterday when the, when the, the Pharisees, it, it says that they... Uh, they, they hardened their hearts against God. That's that same word, wrath. They had that, that wrath towards, towards Jesus when He healed the man with the, with the withered hand in, in, the, in the, uh, the synagogue. Right. And so what ends up happening is, is when we win that, what do we do? We bring the wrath of God. We, we cause them to harden their hearts. Right. Rather than the Word of God, which the Bible says is sharp and powerful, like a sharp to it sort of pierces the hearts. It's, it's the discerning of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. And so, when I, when I speak intellectually, it hardens the heart. Right. When I speak the Word, it pierces right. the heart. Let me say that again. When I try to get into an intellectual debate, I, it hardens the heart because I'm trying to prove myself right. But when I begin to preach the gospel of the cross of Calvary, it softens the heart mm. because I'm trying to win the soul. Right. The, the Word says in 1 Corinthians 14.38, 1 Corinthians 14.38, it says, if a man desires to be ignorant, let, let him be, be ignorant. ignorant. <laughs> there you go. You know, how, how, how forthright and just cutting to the chase is that? Right. If, if you're talking to someone and you're sharing the gospel, but they, des- they desire to let their mind be closed, right. he said, let, let them be. Don't sit there and think that, you know, I've got to prove to this guy that creation occurred in six days and that blah, blah, blah. That's not your argument. That's right. not your battle. You're not there to convince them of, of creationism. You're there to save them from the wrath to come. Right. That they would not harden their hearts. Even as the, the Word says, don't harden your hearts as is in the day of the provocation. As, 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 as Pharaoh hardened his heart when he began to see those things, uh, uh, the, the miracles of God. Don't harden your heart in that type of way, but preach the Word. Because the the, the the word speaks of those people in Second Timothy three seven. Second Timothy three seven, and it says they're forever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Mm. And so, if I gave them a little bit more learning, do you think there would ever come to that? Absolutely not. Mm. I could debate the origin of the dinosaurs. I could talk about dates, pre-Adamic creation, right, whatever, right. whatever. It and be. in some cases, very rarely, somebody who's a scientist or whatever. Studying creation, I mean, studying evolution comes to that knowledge of Christ, but it's very, very, very rare. And a lot of people try to base um, their arguments on evolution compared to creation because of one instance of one person, very rare situation doing that. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. Yeah, and it's but at the, at the end of the day, it's the gospel message. It's the gospel message. Say. He has chosen the, the foolishness right. of preaching the gospel to save that which was lost. Yeah. And so. Uh, it, it, then 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2, 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, Knowledge puffs up, yes. but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not know as he ought to know. Right. 
And so when you get... That's a mouthful, isn't it? Isn't it <laughs> Paul was setting up that intellectual debate. He says, listen, guys, I'm warning you. Knowledge is going to fuck people up. Yeah. But love builds up. Now, brother, what's, what was the greatest demonstration of love ever seen? Well, Jesus dying on the cross. The well, gospel there's no, message. There's no other greater love than this than a man shall lay his life down for his for, friends. For his friends. And so we, we know for God so loved the world that He yeah. gave His only begotten Son. Yeah. The beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone loves, is born of God and knows God. He that loves us not knows not God for God is love. Jesus was the incarnation of love. Right. And so the message of Jesus... That he came, that he was born of a virgin, that he 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 lived a sin, sinless life, that he died a vicarious death upon the cross, that he rose again after three days, and he now sits at the right hand of power, that he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish, that he died and he paid the the, the, the penalty for man's sin, that we can be reconciled unto God. That's love. That's love. That is that is love spoken in in its in the, in the greatest type of value that we could ever put upon it. And so, he says that, that knowledge puffs up, love builds up, but the man who thinks he knows something does not know like he wants to. That word knowledge is the word gnosis. And it primarily deals with intellectual knowledge. Mm. And so he's saying intellectual knowledge puffs up, or right. the gnosis. And we get the word like diagnosis. Yeah. That I'm going to look at something and I'm going to come to a conclusion. conclusion okay. And he says, so our, our, our mental diagnosis of things just puffs us up. And he says, well, listen, I can, I can figure that out or I can debate that. But when we begin to speak love, what does it do? It begins to build up. Mm-hmm. And it, what is it, but what, it doesn't build up from external. It builds up internally. And right. It begins to convict me. and It begins to challenge me. and It begins to, to provide hope where there's no hope. It be, begins to bring light, like we talked about to open the, the program today where there was only darkness. And so when I begin to speak forth love, now love isn't some namby-pamby, uh, uh, a lily-white type of thing. Love is truth. Yeah. Love is unadulterated truth that except you repent, you'll likewise perish. That's, 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 that's rebuke is considered love. Love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Yeah. It's the manifestation of genuine true love. Love doesn't say go play out in the, on, on the freeway and you know what, I love you enough to let you do it. Love will snatch you out of uh, the way of impending danger right. in order to save you. How many times have you on the street said uh, something to this uh, effect? You say, listen, it's not okay with me that you go to hell because I love you too All much. the time. All the and time. It's not, you know, that's, it sounds harsh to say to somebody, hey, listen, you're going to hell. But, but when you couple it with that love and you say, listen, it's not okay with me. It no. shouldn't be okay with you and it's not okay with me that you're going to go to hell because I love you. That, that's more than just trying to... Uh, even if it's somebody who's intellectual, you just say it like that, they, it does something. I don't know if you've ever... I mean, I'm sure you have seen the effect that it does on somebody. In fact, you've heard me say this so many times that our goal in preaching the gospel is to be righteous, not to be right. Absolutely. I want to say that again. Our goal in preaching this gospel that Paul speaks of in, in, in Romans 1, 15, 16, and 17, which we've kind of projected into the, the obstacles for that, is not to be right, but to be righteous. You know, you can, you can go out there and be right. You can go out there and debate the, 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 the six days of creation. You can go, and it's right. It's true. But does it produce righteousness? Once again, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Right. And so I can say things and, and say, Aha! I yeah. got you. I showed you. I won up you. Yeah. I shut you down. Or right. I tore you up. Yeah. But is it going to work the righteousness of God? He has chosen one thing, the preaching, preaching of, of the, the gospel, yeah, absolutely. of the cross of Calvary to work in people the righteousness. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, and we'll get into this when we get into the second chapter, it says the goodness of God leads to, to repentance. repentance. Leads to what? To repentance. Leads to a decision? No. no. Leads to, to, to an intellectual victory? Mm-mm. It leads to repentance. repentance. And we know that the only way to salvation is through repentance. Of turning away from our sins and turning to Christ, becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus and seeing the, the righteousness worked in our lives. And that, that, that word goodness is the shastates uh, in the Greek, which means a moral excellence. Moral excellence. And so that's the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is our moral excellence. It's not something apart. It's not an intellectual prowess. It's not an intellectual uh, excellence. Mm-hmm. But it's a moral excellence. So when we begin to preach the moral excellence of God, now think about how that was demonstrated in Christ Jesus, the one who knew not sin. Right. But became a sin sacrifice for us. Absolutely. That's moral excellence. The one that had, had never hurt anyone, but allowed himself to be he beaten hurt. and bruised yeah. for us. 
the, 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 the one that, 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 that walked in holiness and power. He, he became and, and was counted as the, 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 the unrighteous and was crucified. Brother, that's moral excellence. Right. That is the testimony of Jesus. That is the, the Lamb slain, spotless Absolutely. before the foundations the of the world. The one who was Lord and God of all humbled himself to be lower Lord. than the angels, it says. And, and, and to suffer that type of wow. affliction. Yeah. So he suffered that. that he, he, who, he, he who exemplified moral excellence right. suffered the shame of the cross. He suffered these things that, that Paul mentions that's going to happen that we might have life. Verse 23, and it says, and they, and they will also exchange the glory of immortal gods. And so let me, let me, say, let me back up just a second. And, so, and we're going to close out on verse 23 this morning. So he said, here's the obstacles that you're going to confront. Here's why you have to preach the gospel. Right. Number one, he said, you're going to be confronted with people that are going to die, deny the Creator. They're going right. to deny the existence of God, period. Right. He said, then you're going to meet those that, that may very well speak and say there is a God. But they're going to be bound by intellectual prowess. They're going right. to try to, to, to intellectualize or, 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 or cause such a, 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 an agnostic type of thing. We believe God, but, but we believe that God has given us more of a secular way of dealing with those. He's kind of a hands-off. Then, the third thing that you're going to see, and we're going to see a lot of this manifested in the next few verses. He said, he, he said and they'll exchange the glory of the immortal God for images mm. made to look like mortal man, birds and animals and reptiles. Let me say this to kind of set this up for our discussion over the next about five minutes before we close out. Anything that is man-devised and seeks to arrest from God his solitary place of adoration falls into that category. Okay. And so he said, what's going to happen is people are going to change the glory. They're going to say, listen, because I can't see God, right. I'm, going to, I'm going to begin to, to worship and put my... Put, uh, and worship things that I can see, things that I can control. And he brings up things. He, just, he says... Things that look like mortal men, right? We'll be we'll follow men, or things that look like birds, animals, or reptiles. In other words, anything that's created, right? And so, not necessarily. And there's people that worship birds. There's people that in in, in certain countries, Buddhists, they'll have places that are just rat infested. They're afraid to do that. Hinduism, they don't want to kill a cow because they think that the that the disembodied spirit of their loved one is in that cow or whatever else. And so they worship those type of things. They hold them in high regard. Some places that you'll go into these, these, these temples and they'll, they'll have monkeys everywhere. And they don't want to harm a monkey because they believe that there's something spiritual about them. Anything that they can put that, that, that represents something created is that. Now, you, you see it in Hinduism, reincarnation. You see it in uh, also, and this, this is probably one as well that people don't think about, in Catholicism. Absolutely, yeah. Think about the worship of saints. Right. That's the image of men. You'll go into most Catholic churches and you'll have statues of saints everywhere and people will be praying to them. Or even, think about this, their worship and adoration of Mary. And in the Catholic Encyclopedia, they refer to Mary as the co-redemptress. Yeah, co-redemption. Yeah, she, she helped uh, redeem the world from the curse. That she, they, basically, when they say co-redemptress, they're saying that she had an equal part Absolutely, yes. in redemption as Jesus did. Right. Brother, that's that's blasphemy. That's, that's absolutely heresy. Blasphemy. Is what that is. Yes. And so, to to maintain uh, allegiance to the Catholic faith, a religion that 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 is one of their foundational principles. Right. Brother, is idolatry. It's just what he warned about. And what's funny is that he warned about that just maybe a hundred years before the advent of the Catholic Church. And so they're going to begin to put authority in those things that are created by men, and those things that are that are anything that takes the adoration away from God. It puts it towards something. So are you saying that the Catholic Church is in danger of losing their soul? I'm saying the Catholic Church does not represent Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. But I'm people that are in Catholicism are, and who worship Mary, I, I think they're in danger. I believe that they're just not saved. Yeah, I believe they're, they're just saved. lost people. I believe they're very religious. Some of them are very devout to the religion. Some of them are, are, are very sincere in it. Well, I know some Catholics that were some really good friends of mine, but still, they didn't. You know, what you I'm can't. Saying? You cannot serve two, two masters. masters. That you right. love one, hate the other. Yeah. Hate the other and love the one. So what he's saying in verse twenty-three, he says, the the third thing that you can confront is people that are going to worship things that do not represent Christ, that are right. part. They're created things. They're, they're man-made religion. They're doctrines of devils. They're anything that, that takes away that, 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 that solitary place that belongs to Him right. 
in Him only. Guys, we're going to wrap up right there with verse 23. We'll get into the rest of the things that, that Paul said that we were going to be confronting uh, in preaching the gospel and really the necessity and what demands we go and do those things. And we may touch on that just a little bit more, verse 23. I know we had to shoot through yeah, it. Yeah. If you have any questions on that, you can email me at raven at biggrace.com and uh, any of the things that we talked about up to this point, we'd love to answer those things in detail for you. Uh, we love you so much and we pray that God will just bless you this day. His Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your paths. I'm Pastor Troy Bond, Raven Outreach Ministry. I'm Pastor Alex Hill, Associate Director. Preach the Gospel tonight. I want to encourage you Tuesday nights from 8.30 to 10 o'clock p.m. Amen. On every Tuesday evening, join us for the Raven Nation. We have about a half hour of praise and worship. We take live testimonies, prayer requests. Uh, hear a word preached from the from the, the, the Word of God. You can, you can join us right here at this on this, this, this same place. If you're listening to it on tape or uh, through CD, I encourage you to come to our website. It's biggrace.com. You can uh, click on Raven Television. Love to have you be a part of that. Tell other people as well. Tell other people. We'd love to have you. We have people literally from all over the world that are with us Absolutely. on Raven Nation on Tuesday nights. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen. And we'll see you in the morning. God bless.